Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Greg Monteith. This episode is in response to a post that a listener made in the Untangling Christianity Facebook group in the autumn. The post was actually a link to a podcast called The White Horse Inn, and The White Horse Inn is made by Christian academician Michael Horton, who is professor of theology and apologetics at Westminster Seminary, California. The particular episode posted in the Untangling Christianity Facebook group is entitled, Do All Paths Lead to God? I want to begin by thanking the listener who posted this episode and noting that it was posted in the context of a broader discussion about whether Christians mostly engage well with non-Christians. In other words, whether they are mostly aware of the perspectives of the non-Christians with whom they interact, and whether they they offer the same amount of respect for those perspectives that they want and expect non-Christians to offer to Christian perspectives. Within the context of an ongoing discussion on this matter, I have consistently been taking the position that, by and large, Christians do not engage with non-Christians in a way that shows either that the Christians really understand what the non-Christians are saying, or where they are coming from, or that the Christians are offering non-Christians the same amount of respect for the non-Christian views or understandings as they expect non-Christians to give to Christian views and Christian understandings. Now, to be clear, a key measure that I apply in determining whether one party is respecting the other perspective is whether, in this case, Christians are able to understand non-Christian viewpoints from the perspective of the non-Christian. In other words, just as Christians expect that non-Christians will approach the Bible and Christian belief with a sufficiently open mind so as at least to consider the Christian viewpoints, though perhaps not agree with them, so Christians owe non-Christians the exact same respect, the same degree of openness. If you're interested in the history of this this discussion, then recent Untangling Christianity podcasts on this topic begin with episode 152 and carry on for several episodes beyond that. This episode was posted then by the listener, uh, so in the Untangling Christianity podcast, Facebook group, this episode from the White Horse Inn was posted by the listener as an example of how Christians do in fact respond well to non-Christians, how they engage thoughtfully, on point, and respectfully with non-Christians. And so it'll be, it will be in this vein that I am going to be offering my response to the White Horse in episode, Do All Paths Lead to God? Question mark. At the outset, I need to admit that I had great difficulty listening to this podcast. The particular episode records the host, Michael Horton, in discussion with three other Christian academicians and or pastors. I found the podcast somewhat difficult due to the amount of Christian jargon and inside references. But most especially, it was difficult to listen to because, in my view, the presenters engage with non-Christian ideas in both a reductionistic manner which I'll explain later, and from a blatantly Christian orientation. So their approach, broadly speaking, is very much the approach that I'm criticizing. Christians only engaging with outsiders on Christian terms, or on terms that reflect a significant misunderstanding of the non-Christian's perspectives and viewpoints. 
So before turning a critical eye to this white horse in episode, you might be wondering, what am I suggesting instead? Well, I'm suggesting that Christians instead take what I call an integrated approach to life and faith. I've made references to the Integration Project, a project that I began to teach and promote um, as an integrated approach in episodes 151 and 152. And now I want to offer a bit of a pricey about of what such an integrated approach might look like. An integrated approach is not an apologetic strategy. It's not a way for promoting Christianity to non-Christians per se, nor is it a particular way of understanding Christianity. Being an integrationist or taking an integrated approach means insisting that if Christianity relates to all of life, then a fluid and rich integration of life and faith is both the aim and the result of being a Christian. So a fluid and rich integration of life and faith is both the aim and the result of being a Christian. So taking an integrated approach to Christianity means essentially taking what I might call a full-orbed approach, both to human life and Christian faith. Theologically, it means equally valuing creation and salvation, for the Christian God is understood to be the source of both. It means recognizing that both the Holy Spirit and sin impact the lives of all Christians, and that the first doesn't nullify the second. It means understanding and relating to God as both sovereign and parent or creator, and doing so equally, privileging neither. And that's a big point. And finally, it means identifying love and truth, truth and love, as the co-primary characteristics of the Christian God and the co-primary needs of human beings. Practically, it means recognizing that the interrelation of faith and life is not only due to God being the creator and savior of all, but also due to human nature and human needs. For instance, a faith that addresses some but not all of one's life is far from satisfying. And a worldview that cannot address the full scope of human existence mine and every other person's, lacks authenticity. So an integrated approach seeks a relationship between my beliefs and real life that promotes both personal subjective satisfaction and also global objective legitimacy. Satisfaction and legitimacy. Theory and practice combine within an integrative approach where, for example, biblical principles such as humility, belief, and trust, are more rightly understood as productive tensions or complementary oppositions. For example, the tensions between confidence and humility, skepticism and belief, suspicion and trust. Another example is that an integrationist perspective places both a high value on human capability and recognizes the inherent realities of human finitude, fallibility, and particularly fallenness, where this last notion, fallenness, is best understood as the human propensity towards self-deceit. Embracing an integrated approach to Christianity means embracing a dual claim on both theoretical and practical levels. First, it involves the claim that we realize the chief goal of humanity and achieve fullest subjective satisfaction with life, such as becoming one's best self through becoming a competent decision-maker, through productively navigating life's tensions rather than trying to, for instance, collapse them into hierarchies, through prioritizing love and truth, 
all of this by being Christian and that only by fully embracing and engaging our humanity in the full sense can Christian belief have objective legitimacy. Only in this way will it appear authentic, in other words, to people who are outside of the Christian faith. So an integrated approach recognizes the inbuilt human need for partnership and argues that humans make the greatest gains within the context of rightly aligned partnerships with the Christian God. Stated differently, as finite, fallible, and fallen, humans are, by nature, beings who function best within relationships of what might be called dependent independence. In other words, I function best when I am able to partner with others who, on the one hand, can offer resources to assist with the limitations that accompany my finitude, fallibility, and fallenness. And I depend upon these others to the degree that they are aligned with my chief needs and goals. Now I would express my chief need and goal as the following. The need to be in relationship with someone who knows me truly and loves me deeply, and to know and love that one in return. The need to be in relationship with someone who knows me truly and loves me deeply, and to know and love that one in return. I believe that this is not only my chief need, and so my chief goal, but I believe that it is also the chief need of all human beings. So the person or being who most fosters that goal and fulfills that need is the one upon whom I wish to be most dependent. Finally, taking an integrated approach to Christianity means understanding the Bible through the lens of existence and the world, such that Christians allow various legitimate information sources, like science, well-interpreted experience, etc., to impact our Bible reading and biblical interpretations. Likewise, it means understanding lived existence and the world through the lens of the Bible, such that our understanding about how to live well in the world is informed by biblical understandings derived from proper exegesis, sound interpretive theory, or hermeneutics, and by using the full range of human faculties. The practical result of reading the world in light of the Bible, of situating, in other words, Christian belief, in terms of the impact, here and now, is better decision-making, liking the person that I am becoming, and sleeping better at night. The practical result of reading the Bible in light of the world is the ability to adjudicate wisely between competing and sometimes seemingly stalemated interpretations and theologies. In other words, through an integrationist approach, we learn not only to be competent readers of the Bible, but also to be competent readers of life and ourselves. Yet by virtue of enlarging our sphere of both Christian engagement and skilled interpretation, we have a broader basis for adjudicating truth claims, biblical truth claims, and others. Indeed, I believe that an integrationist approach is in fact the only solution to the deadlocks that are encountered within much of theological debate. Now, I also realize that adopting and potentially even understanding an integrationist approach, such as what I'm advocating, is extremely challenging for many Christians. Indeed, any approach, like an integrationist approach, that does not always and only favor God first, Jesus first, and Bible first, is not only foreign but often suspect to most evangelicals. 
The issue, as John and I have been presenting and discussing it over the past number of years, is that the typical evangelical approaches of God, Jesus, and Bible first always seem to forget, or at least overlook, that there is an I involved in the process, and that I am actually the one who comes first. I must be. It's me, not the Holy Spirit, who reads and interprets the Bible, and acts, or not, on what I read and interpret there. This is not to say that the Holy Spirit plays no role, but to say that the Holy Spirit does not play the determining role. I do. And so do you. This is the same as recognizing that Christianity is never a true, if you will, starting place. It is always secondary. Or at best, always an artificial starting place. This is because, to quote the second century Christian Tertullian, who is essentially stating a a theological truism, no one is born a Christian. She or he must become one. Now, obviously, Tertullian said he must become one, but I'll take a liberty there and make that a little bit more open. When we put it in those terms, then everyone agrees. Well, of course, we don't start with Christianity. Yet because so many evangelical Christians in North America are born into Christian homes, within extended Christian families, and even within Christian neighborhoods and larger Christian communities, there is a broad and pervasive, what I'll call, forgetfulness of origins, forgetfulness of origins, that occurs for many evangelicals. The bottom line, then, is that we cannot start with the Bible, with God, or with Jesus, because we can only start where we are at, with ourselves and with the world around us. This is the same as acknowledging that, even as a devout Christian, I am able, and quite capable, to read the Bible in such a way as both to understand it and to uh, endorse my righteousness, while at the same time living in a manner that covertly furthers the exact unrighteous practices that I claim to disavow. In other words, and as the biblical text is at pains to explain, and as I've um, referred to in episodes 136, 37, and 138, essential to human nature is the propensity to deceive ourselves into believing that what we claim to do for good or altruistic reasons is at base directed towards fueling desires and meeting needs that represent the very practices and orientations that Christians claim to denounce. I'll say that again. Essential to human nature is the propensity to deceive ourselves into believing that what we claim to do for good or altruistic reasons is at base directed towards fueling desires and meeting needs that represent the very practices and orientations that Christians claim to renounce. In other words, as any non-Christian can tell you, Christians can be hypocrites and liars while claiming, and claiming that they have every reason sincerely to believe, that they are acting rightly towards others and in front of God. So taking this back to an integration, uh, to an integrated approach, um, an integrated approach emphasizes that unless we realize and address the problems associated with starting somewhere other than with ourselves, we are bound to misfire when we try to engage with both life and faith. And Christians are certainly bound to misfire when it comes to how they engage with non-Christians. On the other hand, an integrated approach positively emphasizes the crucial things that human beings glean about themselves 
and the insights that are offered relative to Christian belief and the Christian God by living in the world, what Christians refer to as creation. In other words, because creation and salvation are necessarily linked, human beings can derive ready, preliminary insights into who God is and the nature of the divine-human relationship by virtue of right living and rightly engaging with life. It's a two-way street. It flows in both directions. And typically for evangelicals, it only flows in one. Everything in the biblical text points to this robust two-way transaction. So I believe that the link between creation and salvation can be best expressed as creation frames salvation. Salvation refigures creation. Creation frames salvation. Salvation refigures or offers new perspectives on and new possibilities for creation. So the reality is that I claim what is of God and what is not. I claim to know who Jesus is and what Jesus does, and I claim to have the right understandings of the Bible. Yet these are no small matters, but massive endeavors. In other words, the typical evangelical orientation fails to understand how much trust and faith it puts in everyday evangelical Christians, when in fact the biblical perspective is to be duly skeptical of human claims and suspicious of human motives, those of evangelical Christians included. In order to clarify how and how much I see the White Horse Inn podcasters demonstrating the very things that I am criticizing and lacking the skills that I am advocating, I've laid out a number of examples. I've chosen to add many points rather than only a few, not so as to be overwhelming, but so as to have the greatest chance of being clear and so connecting with listeners on at least a few of the issues that I perceive. So the idea is not to be overly picky, but instead to point out the rather numerous ways in which Christians essentially get it wrong when it comes to how they engage with non-Christians in terms of both misunderstanding their dialogue partners and misunderstanding the very nature sometimes of dialogue with the logical result that Christians engage unproductively with outsiders and in the end simply widen the already large gap between them. I look forward to hearing any feedback that listeners may wish to share on this. Before beginning with the particular comments uh, that I made uh, during the podcast or, or about the podcast, I want to start with two preliminary points about the White Horse Inn podcast. Point number one, the title. First, I find the title, and so the very aim of this particular podcast, to be immediately disingenuous. In other words, there are no evangelical Christians that I'm aware of, or of whom I can even conceive, who believe that one can, quote, get to God, other than through right relationship with Jesus. So if the answer to the question that it, that is the podcast's title, Do All Paths Lead to God?, is de facto negative, from all the presenters, how can this even be a legitimate investigation? Obviously, from the presenter's perspective, it wasn't. Point two, the aim of the podcast, based on the title. Second, if you'd make the logical assumption that a title indicates the focus of the work or production it's applied to, then we would necessarily expect this podcast to explore at least a little the question of how we, we attain to God from various religious perspectives. Yet there was absolutely no discussion of how to attain to God or nirvana or enlightenment or anything. 
there was no investigation of this question from any religious perspective. Everything was by Christians and about Christianity. So I find both the title and the aim of the podcast to be remarkably misleading right off the bat. And I think that the reason for this is that the presenters are so convinced not only of the validity of their own views, but of the nearly self-evident nature of this validity. In other words, from their perspective, I'm hunching. If people would only stop and think, and perhaps have someone pray that the Holy Spirit would open their eyes, then they would see the truth of Christianity and accept it. And because this belief, or something very much like it, dominates the presenter's perspective, they really had no intention of examining the question from other perspectives at all. They merely affirmed what they already believed, and then went on to defend it, as if to imply that those who think that they should do otherwise are simply unwilling or unable to see the truth. This is just not so. However, as the next section will be quite detailed and lengthy, I will hold off until next podcast to examine four or five specific cases during the White Horse Inn podcast that demonstrate the type of problematic engagement with non-Christians and non-Christian viewpoints that I'm referring to. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to going deeper with a point-by-point examination next time of White Horse Inn podcast episode, Do All Paths Lead to God? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.